Hello and welcome to Unsportsmanlike Commentary, the ultimate podcast for football conversation. Tyler, how's it going today? Good. Thanks for introducing me. Um, you know, that was nice. Living, living the life of fucking Riley, dude. I'm on cloud nine right now. There it is. There it is. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, man, some good football games this weekend. We had six games decided by a margin of three points or less, including two that were decided by one point. Uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun watching it. There were some blowouts also, you know, some games that were not so fun to watch, but there was a lot of entertaining football. Um, especially that Sunday night showdown between the Cardinals and, and the Seahawks. Oh, oh yeah. Game. Oh yeah. Yeah, this was probably <clears throat> this was probably the most fun complete week of football. I agree. Uh, excluding a couple of games, which we'll get into. I mean, there's always going to be some some bum games, right? But very rarely do you see this many games with, with this much drama, especially so late in the game. Um, even the games that some of the games that looked like they were just going to be snooze fests, like the Giants and Eagles, still not turn out to be halfway, halfway entertaining. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. So let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, for our first segment for the listeners, if you haven't listened to our recaps yet, the way it's going to go, we're going to give you guys uh, what we were right about, what we were most right about, what we were most wrong about, and what is our biggest takeaway or biggest impression from the week of games. And then in the second segment, we're going to actually run down game by game and give you guys a report card breakdown of how we did individually in predicting these results and grade ourselves because part of beyond what a talk shit is, is holding yourself accountable to it. You know what I mean? So let's get into it. Tyler, give me what was, what were you most correct about this week? Um, <clears throat> I was right about a lot. I was wrong about a lot this week as well um but i actually i i predicted it <laughs> i predicted it mo- the monday prior so the monday following the sunday night victory against the rams you can go back and fact check you can listen to that dated podcast for my 49er for the faithful podcast i predicted the 49ers to beat the patriots it's and it wasn't out of, it wasn't out of, uh, you know, st- me having a whole lot of faith in <clears throat> essentially a second string team. Uh, it's my lack of faith in the Patriots. Cam Newton, and, and I said this when we did our, our, our week seven picks, Cam Newton doesn't look right, dude. He doesn't look right at all. And what doesn't even what doesn't help him on top of that is the fact that he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Julian Edelman is a former shell of what the Julian Edelman we knew with Tom Brady. Um, Nikhil Harry's Harry, a com- yeah, yeah. a complete a complete bust. We, we talked about this before. He he just does not have the ability to get separation. He's a position There's, guy which means that he's going to make contested catches. Problem is in this league where defenders are so good, it's not like college where you have that advantage and he is struggling so hard to get separation. He's not even making himself a viable target. 
He's not the, but he's not the only one in that offense. They rank, they rank dead last Mm -hmm. in receiver separation last year and they're dead last again this year. Um, And it doesn't help when you've got a guy like Cam who's throwing mechanics are completely out of whack and he's throwing the ball. He's overthrowing you. He's throwing behind you like that third pick to Edelman. Like, and it was way behind Edelman. He still tried to make the catch, but he turned and that popped the ball in the air and fucking Taylor was able to run over and fucking snag it. The Patriots had seven turnovers in the previous two games before Mm -hmm. the game against San Francisco and San Francisco had only had six takeaways that entire season up to that point. True or false. True or false. Miami is the second best team in that division. True. Yeah. I think no, so. it's absolutely true. They're three and three. Right. Like, <clears throat> and that, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, that Miami team beat the brakes off the team that just beat the brakes off the fucking Patriots. Yeah. Uh, and and I, uh, the, we'll, we'll see what happens in this upcoming week with Tua now being named the starter for Miami. Uh, but you can now turn that seven into an 11. For the Patriots, 11 turnovers in three games now, which could have easily turned into 13 because they fucking fumbled back-to-back plays in that game and were lucky enough to recover. Yeah. Um, your biggest take on why you thought the Patriots were going to win this game was the fact that Cam Newton can run the ball. Correct. And San Francisco had a, up to that had allowed the most rushing yards to quarterbacks in the league right they stuffed his ass they did they figured it out they figured it out take that running game away from the patriots you are not going to be able cam's not going to be able to beat you with his arm and he was also facing a secondary of complete backups Mm -hmm. not only were you you niners are still down to they got emmanuel mosley back so they got their second string cornerback and they got verrett who's number four who should be number three over at Killa Witherspoon. Um, but they were out with, they were out Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward, both of their starting safeties. They came away with four interceptions. Yeah. Um, so with the Patriots, I, you know, one thing that you hit on, you know, like you said, you, the Niners had figured them out. And I, I think it's something that the league is starting to figure them out. Right. Because uh, we had talked about this previously, I think off, off air where they run, that run pass option style of offense. And it is one that's a bit gimmicky in the sense that teams are going to clue in on it eventually. And it's going to get teams off, off guard at first, which is why we saw them having some early season success. But now it looks like the NFL is kind of more or less figured out the game plan of how to slow them down. And considering they don't have any great receiving options to make NFL teams commit to the pass game, really, I think the uh, the Patriots are going to struggle for a while without without a marquee receiver, without a, a legit number one or number two or number three option. What the hell? I mean, honestly, they don't have anyone really there that's a, that would be a top two or three receiver on most teams. No, you're you're one hundred percent right, and you're only talking about the the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Their defense got gashed. For 17 carries, I think it was 113 yards and three rushing touchdowns to Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah. The third string running back. Actually, no, fourth string running back. Yeah. In, in that depth chart. 
I, and, and then, you know, Wilson Jr. got hurt on that third touchdown and he's like, he's, he's headed to the IR, which is helping my case for Jamichael Hasty. Because now they're out Mostert. Coleman is possibly coming back. Fuck that. Just cut him. Wilson Jr. with Jeff Wilson Jr. out, it's Jamichael Hasty time. And if he's on the waiver wire for your fantasy team, go grab his ass now because he got he got not he out carried Jarek McKinnon. Right. McKinnon didn't get a carry until the end of the fucking game, and he turned it into three carries for negative one yards. So all right, so uh, moving on there. Um, I know that you like to nuddle over the yeah the yeah. I have my I, I already did I already did my own episode um, on this last night. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm going to go ahead and talk about my biggest uh, point of being correct this, this weekend. And I wanted to give a big shout out to the sleeper picks that I had because man, like Benny Snell, he was ranked 51. I told you he was going to t- get a touchdown and he did Voltro touchdown, but I'm not going to get too much into the uh, uh, sleepers. I will focus though on Benny Snell's team. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers who I said they would win this game. I thought it would be a very close game that could go either way. But the Steelers would end up pulling it out, and they would do so by dominating time of possession. In the first quarter, the Steelers had the ball for 13 minutes and 39 seconds. And mind you, when the first quarter ended, they still had the ball. Like uh, you know, I think the first 20 20 minutes of that game, uh, as far as actual game clock time goes, the the Titans had the ball for all of the one minute and 21 seconds. Now, the whole first half, Steelers just absolutely dominated the half and dominated time of possession. What happened in the second half? Well, the Titans were able to get the first kickoff. They were able to actually get some offense going, right? And what you see in the NFL is when one team can possess the ball for a significant time, it gets the other team, it gets them a little, a little bit of pressure on their offense because when their offense comes out, if they get a three and now all of a sudden they've just lost a bunch of clock time and they have to give the ball back. Uh, we saw the, uh, Titans able to kind of deliver that blow back to the Steelers. But at the end of the day, the Steelers had built up too much of a lead and had built up too much possession. And in the end, were able to hold off for the win. So more or less the game, the game script that I saw happening did happen. And uh, we saw the Steelers win uh, and, and be a very good Titans team. And what was a very exciting game. You touched on. I mean, through the first quarter, the Titans had one yard of offense. Right. They, the, the, the Steelers were shutting this team down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got the second half kickoff, and they were able to build a little momentum on offense. When you look at the Steelers team, and you look at where's their weakest point, it's not at running back. It's not at wide receiver. It's, I mean, Eric Ebron's a capable tight end. Uh, and you have Vance McDonald, who's a solid tight end too. Uh, you can't really say it on the defensive side of the ball. So who does it really come down to? It comes down to Big Ben. Big Ben let them back into this game in the second half, throwing two ugly interceptions which makes me correct again because i did say that the weakest point of this offense is yes Big and yeah. not that he's bad look he is still a very serviceable quarterback i bet you right now the dallas cowboys wish they had themselves a big ben okay but 
he is he is when you look at this all the offense that the Steelers have Big Ben is starting to age and he is starting to have a bit of a hard time uh, utilizing all those options to their full capability this is not me dogging on the Titans I I truly believe the Titans are a top five team in the NFL Absolutely. um but without those two interceptions which correct me if I'm wrong I know one of them at least is but I'm correct me if I'm wrong two, both of those interceptions were in the end zone I know, um, I know for sure one was. They're in the red zone for sure. I don't yeah. remember if it was so the red zone. You are offering up a fuckload of momentum. Yeah, correct. To a team, and and Derrick Henry has proven like he'll start slow, mm-hmm. but he's gonna wear you the fuck down, and that's exactly what happened. Right. Um. They like the the Steelers are lucky. Guskowski missed that field goal because if that shit went to overtime, my money would be on Tennessee to win that game. Absolutely, I think. I think uh, Tennessee, as far as overtime team goes, it's, you know, overtime is going to be 50-50, right? Who wins the coin toss? But if you give a team like Tennessee the the start with the ball, they're I have, I have a hard time being more afraid of another team other than Tennessee to start the, with the ball. Maybe the Chiefs. I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs. That, that's about it. I mean um, – Titans, Titans though showed showed up. They were great. They showed their like we had said. They had a very complete offense. Derrick Henry was still able to salvage himself a decent game. Ryan Tannehill played well. Uh, AJ Brown showed up. So we definitely saw uh, saw some great pieces in their offense. But again, their defense did struggle. And when you allow the Steelers to just control the ball like they did in that first half, um, you know it, it does show their Achilles heel and does show their Achilles heel will affect their ability to win games sometimes. Well, not just that. They have one of the worst third down defenses in the NFL. Like Tennessee has a really hard time getting teams off the field. field. And that's a problem. And it's, it it, it is a problem. Especially that's that's the best way to stop Derrick Henry. (laughs) That is the only way to stop Derrick Henry. Yeah. Not give him the ball. It's not going to be a huge problem. When, you know, you, you, when you're, when you're talking, when you're going up against inferior opponents, but when you're going, when you, when you've got to battle the Steelers, you, they, they're in the AFC. So they've got to worry about the Steelers. They got the Ravens, the chiefs. Yeah. Like you've, you can't sleep on these fucking teams. Correct. So it's like, you need, they need to shore up that defense on third down. If they want to make a real run. And I'm, I say real run. Yeah, they got to the AFC Championship game last year. Fine. Like, if you want a real shot at a title with this team, you mm-hmm. you need to be able to get people off the fucking field and get the ball back into the hands of Derrick Henry. Yeah, I agree 100%. So let's go ahead and move on to what we were wrong about, and it's always nice talking about what we got right. But we do need to move on. So, uh, Tyler, I'll let you go first. What, what, what did you miss the most in your predictions? what did i say my biggest wrong was because i, I you, were, you were talking about uh the comment that you made about andy dalton not being that oh my off. fucking god i can't yeah. dude i with because i'm flipping through my fucking notes and i'm going i was wrong about enough shit like how can i not see it on this page okay i was the most wrong for not just this week but going back to last week when I made the comment that there won't be a drastic drop-off between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton, 
uh, it turns out there's a huge drop off. And it also turns out that Dak Prescott is the only thing keeping that team together when he's healthy. Yeah. Like this team looks horrible. Yeah. And, And you just look at just all you need to see is that hit that Bostic laid on Dalton. Mm-hmm. Nobody came. Nobody got in Bostic's face. Nobody stood up for their quarterback. They all just stood around just like, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, and that, was, that was a bad hit. That was such oh, a – Oh, that was a horrible hit. Such a dirty late hit. Uh, he's, right not, to and he, he's not expected – he's not expected to, to receive a, uh, a, a suspension from it, which – that's is, mind-boggling. No, he should get at least two games. Right. And least. again, imagine if that had been Dak that had gotten right. hit, right? The if, NFL if, would be all over that. If Dak had taken that shot, yeah, right. dude, dude would be out of a fucking job. Goes to show what star power does in the league. Now, we, we, uh, we can both agree that the Cowboys are in a very tough predicament right now. <laughs> We were very wrong because I I agreed with you when you said that Dalton wasn't going to be that big of a drop off. We both thought it would be some level of drop off. We didn't see it being this bad, and it's been it's been bad. Now now not only that, Dalton isn't even going to be suiting up for a while. So what do the Cowboys do? Do they stay with their seventh round rookie, or should they go somewhere else? Um, should they look at getting maybe a Jacoby Brissett? Should they look at maybe trying to trade for Miami's backup quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, I don't, I don't see Miami um, giving up fits because who knows what's going to happen to it, especially if they're in, in contention for a playoff spot. Um, don't, don't worry about what's going on in the chat. That's for you later. Um I could see a trade for Jacoby Brissett because, like, I mean, he's a free agent, so they don't even got to trade for him. It's not, it's not, yeah, exactly. I mean, but like, he's not on the Colts roster anymore. Nope, he's a, he is a free agent. I act wow, fuck, I actually did not know that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you talk about where Pittsburgh fucking is probably their weakest position. I would argue that the weakest position for the Colts is the quarterback because both him and Ben Roethlisberger are aging quarterbacks who are willing to take the deep play and put the ball in danger. Yeah. And especially those two picks against Big Ben, that's exactly what it was. Right. The difference is, I think, with Big Ben is obviously the system. He's been in that system for so long. He does know it better than Philip Rivers. And so Big Ben is going to be, I think, a little more effective overall. Although, he, you're right, he is going to make some mistakes. Now, for the Dallas, though, what do you – should they pursue a trade for a quarterback or should they – because I'm not sure they have much in, in terms of assets. No. No, they shouldn't. Or so should they look for the best available free agent, or should they just roll with one of the rookie guys? Well, or they're undrafted and seventh round rookie quarterbacks. No, it's not what I think should happen because I could easily see Jerry Jones being a fucking idiot mm-hmm. and giving up more draft capital. For a quarterback, like yeah, you're going to contend in a really shitty division if you get a, a bring in a quarterback who can 
put up points. Andy Dalton obviously isn't that, and whoever the fuck their backup is to him. Benucci, I think. Danucci, sure. Danucci. Whatever. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, like, no, you dude, no. Don't trade for a fucking quarterback. If you're going all out and you're not gonna bring Dak back, tank. Tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Cause realistically, I uh, I don't have the Cowboys winning another game this year the way they're playing right now. They have they, they have legitimately they have a shot at being the worst statistical defense in the NFL history. They do. That defense is woeful. And uh, you know, as good as CD Lamb has looked as a receiver, it makes you really think like what were the Cowboys thinking drafting another receiver? They should have never taken him. Yeah. They should have never taken CD Lamb. That's the knee-jerk reaction of Jerry Jones going after the big known name. Right. No, fuck that. You should have you should be you should have been addressing your linebacking core or your secondary in the first round, not waiting until the second round to get fucking whoever the fuck he is. Um Diggs's brother. Yeah, I feel bad for I feel bad for Jalen Smith because he's really the only quality player on that defense, especially in that linebacking core, and he is out there on an island. I mean, um, Okay, quality, but I mean, you think about the money he got paid. The dude, the dude's getting smoked. Like, def, fucking Demarcus Lawrence is also one of the highest paid edge rushers in the game. He's also getting he 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 hasn't earned a cent yeah, of his fucking has been, has been bad. Uh, so all right, so you were wrong about Dalton. Yep. Um, oh, we were both we were both pretty wrong about our upset picks by the tune of multiple touchdowns apiece. So. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of hooting and hollering when we were talking about, because even you said when it came to my upset pick, even though I was wrong, Mm -hmm. you even said, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that in no way, shape or form. Did I see your upset pick even kind of making sense? So talking to you last night, we made a tr- a little bit of a, a a bet altercation, right? Because we put down either a twelve pack of Reds for me or a six pack of your whatever the fuck you drink yeah. that costs just as much. We put that bet down. I down on this game. I feel like we need a yes. No, we absolutely put it down yeah. on this game. Okay. All right. I called you last night and offered up a a, a, a different type of punishment so so for the listeners i'm gonna sing yeah you are going to sing i said eight lines last night Uh uh-huh uh it's i'm i'm only getting it down to four but i need you i really need you to hit this buddy i need you to give it your all because this is what's saving you from buying me a 12 pack i just i want you to know that after i sing this we might not have any more listeners well okay let's there's a very strong possibility Let's give it a little background, okay? This is in regards to your pick of the Texans beating the Packers. I understood. And I lost my mind because that shit made absolutely no sense, and it 
showed on the fucking field. Actually, the game was closer than you might realize. When Our, oh no, no, don't you even, don't you even, don't you even talk about the garbage time touchdown. I, that shit does not fucking count. Fuck that. The Texans got their asses blown out through that whole game. You have your lines in front of you. Sing. It wasn't that bad of a pick. It wasn't that bad of a pick. It was. Not, it was I'm pretty not, goddamn bad. Like, Sing, bitch. Yeah, they lost. All right. Sing, bitch. Okay, here we go. I'm a fucking idiot, bald and stout. When I open my mouth, dumb things come out. Yep. And that, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the extent of Tyler's creativity. He can come up with four lines. Bravo. All okay, right. you're talking about my creativity. You're yeah. you, you 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 legitimately probably made the dumbest fucking upset pick so far through this fucking podcast. Mm, I don't think so. I do. All right. Well, we are uh, done talking about what we got wrong. So it's time to move on to our. Oh, oh, that's it. That's it. We're not even going to kind of cover why you were wrong. I I sang, didn't I? Whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Devontae Adams lit that ass up. Deshaun Watson ain't that. He's still an elite quarterback, but fuck, he can't pull this shit out of his ass if he doesn't have a fucking defense. Okay, let's go. All right. So, biggest impression, biggest or biggest takeaway that you had from this week? My biggest takeaway through week seven of the NFL um, is my was what my impression was going in week one, but had altered since you know weeks three through like six. The NFC West is still the toughest division in the NFL, still, and it's not close. You've got the Seahawks who just received their first loss at the hands of the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You've got the Cardinals, then the Rams, and the 49ers are in fourth place. Every team in that division is above 500. Every team in that division has a winning record. That is not something you see a whole hell of a lot lately, especially when you take – you travel to the East coast of the NFC fucking the the NFC fucking conference. And you look at nobody's even got a 500 record in that motherfucker. Not a one like dude, the 49ers are trying to gut this out regardless of all the injuries they've faced. They have the highest, they have the illegal eating number of people on the IR in the NFL. And they're continuing to try to gut this out. Now, I, I, I think that works against maybe a Rams team at home and the Patriots on the road who looked really, really bad the last couple of weeks. Now they're coming into that buzzsaw. Now they're facing Seattle on the road. Then they got to fucking play the Packers at home. And then they go on the road to the Saints. This is the buzzsaw of that schedule. as And it's the exact reason why they have the toughest strength of schedule throughout the rest of the season. Don't sleep on the Rams. Yeah, don't no, I, like the the Rams have had spots through this year early where they have looked pretty suspect. They're I think the that, teams, they can get beaten by anyone, but they can also beat just about anyone. Right. The, last night was a great a, 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 a great showing of that. Mm-hmm. Like two defenses who who were pretty good on, like like equally good on the defensive side of the ball, but who won? Yeah, no, they made yeah, a five that, and one team look like a, a one and five team. Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, a five and two team now, I suppose. The, the Cardinals, <clears throat> the Cardinals, what, what what the Cardinals need to do to be a front runner in the NFC is be consistent. Because they will have these games. They will go toe-to-toe, and Kyler, Kyler Murray will look like he is the second coming of Russell Wilson. But he'll have these games and then throw up two stinkers to inferior teams following. Right. Um, like the last two games, he's looked super good. He beat up the two worst defenses in the NFL, meaning Dallas and the Seattle Seahawks. And then, I mean, obviously, as long as Seattle has Russell Wilson, they're always going to be a contender. Every year I keep going, I'm like, this is the drop-off. He can't keep carrying this fucking team. And fuck me, he went to overtime and got his first loss. So, yeah. Yeah. I have some opinions on that game, which I'll get to when we start talking about that game during the report card segment. But you kind of took my takeaway. <laughs> that was where I, where I was going with my takeaway. So I'm going to have to make a little bit of a pivot here and uh, okay. give you my second biggest takeaway that I had, okay. which is that we have gotten to the point in the season where teams are playing more or less at their real level. And what I mean by that is normally in a most most seasons – you have a preseason and then, you know, first couple of weeks by week three or four, though, we know what a team is. We didn't really know who these teams were in weeks three or four because of all the amount of unusual happening at this point of the, uh, you know, in this, this season, at this point of the year, right now, we are starting to see who teams are, right? We saw elite teams playing against each other and put out amazing performances, right? We saw teams like the Packers who are, uh, obviously as a clearly superior team to the Texans show that and not get uh, upset. We saw teams like the um, Lions and Falcons do what they do exactly what we thought they were going to do. So this was uh, a week where we're, we're starting to finally see teams playing to their true identity as, and I think that it'll from this point on, we will have a better idea of what to expect from each team week in and week out. Now, are there still some teams with big question marks? Absolutely. Right. And football is not an exact science. So there's always going to be a, a couple of teams that are out there and you're, you're still scratching your head. I think the Rams we talked about earlier, Rams are still one of those teams where they, we know overall they're a good team, but they're capable of being beaten by a bad team. They're capable of beating uh, among the best teams. So that being said, my point remains that we are at a point in the season. It is now the end of week seven. We are rolling into week eight. We are midway through the season. It took a little longer than it has in seasons past, but we have finally been able to figure out who these teams are, what is their identity, and what we can expect from them moving forward. Right? Tyler, what do you think about that? No, you're 100% right. Like when you're talking about how how different this season has been with COVID with no training camps or um, limited training camps, but no OTAs, no fucking like the teams that we thought going into the season that would be dominant Mm -hmm. up to this point, we're mostly correct. Right. Um, You had, you know, you had your sleeper teams. The Browns are not a sleeper team. They're, 
you can miss me with all of that shit. But like you look at the team, like the Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl champs. They look even more dangerous than they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ravens, I feel, have regressed a little bit, mostly due to the, the play of their quarterback. But they're still a top team in the AFC. Um, Titans top team. Titans. Steelers, I would put I'd put the Steelers a, just just ahead of the Titans, and it has nothing to do with their the the outcome of their matchup through this week. It's just the Steelers are much better defensively, um, and and they can go they, the, the the Steelers can go blow for blow on offense with just just about everybody. But there never really were that many question marks on those teams. This more like seems like the Cowboys who we weren't really sure what they were going to be. We knew they were great offensively. We knew they were bad bad defensively. For some teams, like the Titans, they can make that work. For other teams, like the Cowboys, they can't. And we were talking about this uh, off the air. We had both strongly considered picking the Cowboys to win, excuse me, to lose that game against the Washington football team. And we were – we were we just didn't quite have the balls to pull the trigger on making that prediction, right? And it's because we still had that stigma that the, the Cowboys, flawed as they may be, are still some kind of offensive, you know, offensively strong team. And now we're learning that's just not who they are, especially with the injury to the quarterback. We've learned that they are flawed to the point where one injury will derail their entire season. It wasn't even that. It's just like they were playing Washington. When has Washington been a powerhouse since like 2012? Right? Like, yeah, they made, I know they made the playoffs with Kirk Cousins one of those years, but since the, the, like the last time this team was actually dominant, RG3 was playing quarterback. So it's just like, I, it wasn't so much like I'm buying into the Cowboys, but it's just like, I don't believe in this team. But I mean, if I go, if I go over the notes for this game, Every single note points to Washington's gonna win this game, and I'm I'm like, why the? F-? Especially right. watching that game, I'm like, why the fuck didn't I pick the fucking goddamn football team to win? Yeah. So, yeah. So we're starting to see who these teams really are. We're starting to see the real identity of them, and I, I think for me and you, this will hopefully start to make our jobs a little bit easier because we're gonna be able to make uh, uh, you know these predictions a little more accurately. Uh, But you will find out just how accurate we have been with our predictions because coming up in the next segment, we will be talking about our report card. So stay tuned. That's coming up right after this. Hello, everyone. It is time to go over the report card. Tyler, we're going to start with the Giants and Eagles game, which the Eagles went ahead and did win 22-21. They did not cover the four-point line. Um. And so we both got C's in that game. I mean, you're talking about an Eagles team that's now favored to win the division. We got two, four, and one. Sure, I guess. Fuck. I mean, but they're pulling off, like, trying to pull off second-half upsets against the Steelers and Ravens. Commendable in your effort. The fact that you had to do it against the Giants and only sneak out a one-point win is really telling. 
Yeah, you know how uh, we talked about most teams coming in, starting to show their identity? Uh, this is one team that it's still impossible to figure out. Because one week, they, they can beat the Niners. The next couple of weeks, they can stay close to great teams. And then they barely eke out a one-point win against the Giants. Well, or, yeah. What will be really telling is this upcoming matchup for the Eagles against Dallas. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch that fucking game. So, I know that every once in a while you do see a 7-19 squeak by uh, in a weak division and secure a playoff spot, right? Is this going to be the year where we see a 6-9-1 team get there? A team with only six wins? Absolutely. I can see it. Yeah. Um, Because there's really no threat to – well, I mean, fuck. I don't know. Washington – has two wins and they're both against divisional opponents this year. So who fucking knows? Yeah. Who knows, man? Maybe Washington's the team that gets the, you know, knocked out in the first round. Can you imagine if someone had told you that midway through the year, Washington would be in playoff contention? Not even just Washington. Hey. Also the Giants. The football team is in convention. Who is that? Well, they were once called something else, but, you know, now they're referred to as the football team. You have America's team in that division and then the football team. And they're in contention for to host a playoff game. Yeah, it's – wow. Horrible. It is, it is horrible. It really is. Um, host, right? Not just be – Host. Oh, home – Field Host. advantage. They get they get if they win that division, they get at least one home playoff game. Right. With like ten thousand fans in the stands. You know what I mean? It's man, what a season this has been. What a year. How what they even have ten thousand is a mind blow to me. Yeah. So anyway, we uh <laughs> we both got C's because we did predict the Eagles to win and cover. They did not cover. Now, for our first-time listeners, if you're not sure how the scoring works, we can either get an A, a C, or an F in our predictions. We get an A, which is four points to the GPA, if we predict the winner and the line correctly. If we predict one of the two correctly, we get a C. If we miss on both, we get an F. Four points goes to an A, two points to a C, zero for an F. We average it all out at the end, and we'll let you know who won the week. So, next game, Lions and Falcons. And the Lions beat the Falcons with a very bizarre ending where you saw Todd Gurley uh, try to not score <laughs> and somehow score. This, is, this has been... This play, if I could pick one play that captures the Atlanta Falcons season in a nutshell, that's the play. I've never, in my 20-some-odd years of watching football, seen a team score and the team that just got scored on celebrate. Right? (laughs) That is is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. It's... That, that's how little faith everyone in that football game had in the Falcons' defense. They knew if the other team got the ball back, there was a very strong chance they were going to lose. I, 
everyone my... <clears throat> watching that game knew. Like there was, I watched that. I'm like, yep, Lions are winning. No, I, I my mouth dropped. Yeah, I'm not even astounded as to you know the last second touchdown that the Lions got. Whatever you you got a touchdown to your tight end against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Watching Todd Gurley scramble at the one to try and oh right. I'm not going to break the plane and then to watch Lions defenders celebrate <laughs> that they just got scored on like yay yay we suck again dude that was one of the most 2020 type of fucking things I have seen oh, oh dude no. I don't even care that I got the F in this one because the Falcons caught the bigger F. It's, you know, the Falcons are the best bad team in football. They're They're finding new ways to lose. They they really are. And, and they're look every game. They're in it. You know what I mean? They're, they're not out of any game. They're in every single game. I I can't fathom how you score a last, a a touchdown in the last two minutes. And that's your downfall. Like how, how, how it wasn't even like, it was like the last minute, minute or something like like that. Like minute. You're you're, you're right. How how was that your downfall in this? Holy shit. To a team that had no more touch timeouts. They (laughs) Falcons defense is so bad. It's so bad that you are afraid of giving another team with no timeouts and the entire length of the field to go the ball back. You that (laughs) that is how bad the Falcons defense is. But they had no the Lions had no timeouts. All you had to do was not score, and you could just run the clock out, kick the game-winning field goal, and that'd be it. Or just, you know, like... But Gurley even if, decided... Even if you did score. Even if he did score, all he had to do was not allow a touchdown. It wasn't even stop a field goal, not allow a touchdown to a team that has to go all the way down the field with a minute and no timeouts. Gurley had a fucking aneurysm trying to keep that goddamn ball from breaking the plane. He was just like, oh, yeah, oh, no, fuck. <laughs> and it was too late. And it was you too late. For it, that's, you know... You're running back your whole life. What are you trying? You're trying to break the plan and get in the end zone. That's he is trying to overcome <sighs> just a whole career of instinct right there. And you can't even blame Todd Gurley. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, yes, he should. Like, that was not the smart, intelligent play to make. You can absolutely blame Todd Gurley. But no, you, you, the, who the, the real culprit here is the Atlanta Falcons defense because they had a six point lead. No, with no, they had a six point lead with a minute left to a team with no timeouts. They, the, to a team I'm that sorry, never you, that to a team that never should have gotten the ball back. This is 100% on Todd Gurley. We already know how bad the Falcons defense is. Todd Gurley should have had the wherewithal because it was obviously talked about in the huddle. Hey, don't break the plane, get the first down. Right. That's it. No, this is 100% on Gurley. It is not on that Falcon defense which we already know is bad. Gurley should have getting gotten across the first down line. Run the clock out, kick the game-winning field goal, bam. I'm not arguing that that would have been the smart play. Absolutely. That's the only play. That That, was the only play. That was it. The Falcons wasn't because that's not the play that happened, all right? The point is, sure, that was the wrong play, but the Falcons should still pull out that win. It's not that you have to stop a team from scoring a field goal. No, they shouldn't. Yeah, no. 
I, we, we're no, they shouldn't. On this. Because the amount of times the Falcons have gotten fucking late scores against them this season. No, you should not have been fucking hoping that the Falcons were going to figure their shit out in that in, in that last minute, three no seconds, whatever it was. Hope, but that should be. I'm sorry. If, if you're a football team with any level of pride and dignity, you should you have s- an expectation for your defense that they can stop a team with no timeouts, a minute to go, and the full length of field to drive. You for a saw, touchdown, not a field goal. You saw the goal. energy deplete from that team. Both sides of the ball when Gurley scored. Gurley knew, do not go into the end zone. Get down so we can that. run the clock. That he should. Like, what do you mean? Thing. He should be. What do you mean? To, what I mean is he should be able to trust his defense enough that if he does score, you, this is a defense still pull you, out the win. Why? Why? Why should he should? Why should he trust the Falcons' defense? Through six fucking games up to that point when they haven't been trustworthy at all. No, the, the fucking game plan was get through the goddamn middle, get across the first down line so we can run this goddamn clock out and kick the game-winning fucking field goal. The, the case you're making for the Falcons' defense is completely asinine because they have blown so many fucking late leads through this season. It's not even fucking funny. Okay, so oh, sorry, that was oh wow, wow, wow. that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm looking up a different, I'm looking up a statistic, I promise. Yeah, you were whatever. Uh, you're you should have had this on hand if you were going to be fucking calling out the goddamn Falcons defense, which is horrible. That yeah, game was sure, in hand. That but game the point is okay. The point I'm making is that it's not. That shows you how bad they are because you should be allowed to trust a defense, any defense, to carry you through. Much like you should expect your special teams to jump on an onside kick before it even crosses the 10-yard line instead of standing there looking at it, which is what gave Dallas one of the two wins they don't deserve that they have. Okay. This organization so, as a whole is bad. I don't know if you can say as a whole they're bad. Uh, why not? Because well, they're still very good offensively. They're if they were as good offensively as we really think they are, they would not only have one win. So, all right. Here's the case that I'm going to make for why Todd Gurley going down isn't a done deal and why it's not the only play. Why scoring a touchdown is still a viable and legitimate. It was the only play because that's what they drew up. Okay. He had, he had, he was untouched. There was no defense. Just drop to the ground, just drop to the ground and it's over. He actually uh, was, had contact on him up until the three-yard line, but... Oh, my God. Okay, so up until the three-yard line, why did he break the fucking plane? Get down. He had momentum going, right? He didn't oh realize God. where he was. That's oh whatever. God. Okay, he messed that up. Sure. But here's why it's not the only... Here's why him just going there and them kicking the field goal isn't the only correct choice here, all right? Oh that's because God. their kicker has already missed two extra point field goals. He wasn't even offered the games. opportunity because fucking... This motherfucker refused to get down, which was the offensive game plan. 
get across the first down yardage, get down. But he has already missed two extra point length field goals this season. Meaning then why was the if 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 the game plan was for Gurley to score? Right. Why are they coming out saying get across and kill the fucking clock? Because they trust their kicker more than they trust their defense. Right. So yeah. you're saying that Gurley trusts Gurley trusts their defense more than their kicker. Because if that's the case and you're no. not on an, no. then what fucking Gurley, point no, are you making? Gurley, it doesn't matter who Gurley trusts. He was trying he wasn't trying to break the plane. Like it's very clear by the way he actually broke the plane. He was tr- trying not to break the plane. He fucked that up. I'm confused as that. to the point you are trying to make right now. The point I'm trying to make is that him fucking that up doesn't make the loss entirely his fault. And that's been it my point the whole is. time. It does not make because the defense still had an opportunity to more than win this game. You they had are plenty of opportunity. A defense that has given up multiple, multiple fourth quarter fucking comebacks this season alone. And we're not even at the fucking halfway yeah, point. I am, yet. I am I am expecting a defense that gets You're paid millions. Uh, no, uh, no, I, I listen to you rant. Let me rant. I am I am expecting a defense that gets paid multiple millions of dollars as professional athletes to do their job for one stretch of the game where they have a clear advantage in that the other team has no timeouts, has one minute to get all the way up the field, and all they have to do is stop a touchdown. Not a field goal, a touchdown. With all those factors in their favor, yes, I expect a professional defense, no matter how bad they are, to be able to pull that out. Yes, I do. But the Falcons have already proven to you multiple times this year that they're not capable of doing that. That is exactly that is exactly why this is on Gurley, not the fucking defense. Moving the fuck on. We we have spent a long long time. We're two games in. Because you're a so, fucking idiot. We both got F's for that, by the way, on the report card. Sure. Browns, Bengals. We both got A's. Um, game was close. Browns pulled it out against a not so great team because they're not uh-huh. such a great team. Right. Browns have shown to be a one-dimensional team, and uh, if you can stop that one dimension, you have a shot at beating them in a game. Um, the only counter argument, I guess, would be is the fact that the Bengals were actually able to take away the run game. Uh, and talk, talking about one of the biggest fucking letdowns in fantasy this year was when Kareem Hunt was given the RB1 job when Nick Chubb went down, and he has not he has not even come close to replicating those numbers. None. Right. He's thrown up stinker after stinker after stinker, and a reception touchdown is the only thing that saved his value this week. Yeah. Um, no, I dude, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's 4-0 against the Bengals. Awesome. Awesome, Baker dude. Mayfield threw up five touchdowns. He, I Baker don't Mayfield, care. I don't care. A horrendous start over five uh, with a pick. Uh, actually threw like 18 for 18 and five touchdowns, something like I, that for a stretch. He, he had a pretty impressive. Uh, no, it's not impressive. No, it was. It was. No, it he can. Conti- no, this is the narrative for Baker Mayfield. He has bad games. Yeah. The fucking everyone calls him on it. Beats the fuck out of an inferior team. Uh-huh. And then now it's just like, oh, everybody respect, everybody respect, motherfucker. I'm the baddest motherfucker. I earned all my fucking 
progressive commercials and shit like that, even though I have more commercials than I do career wins. What the fuck is up? Dude, no. He beats on bad teams and gets his shit kicked in against good teams. Mm-hmm. I'm just, dude, anyone who, any Browns fan or any type of fantasy owner in Baker Mayfield who watched that fucking performance and goes, oh, oh, maybe Mayfield is the guy. No, he's not. He's sure, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making any long-term proclamations about Baker, but give the man credit where credit is due. No, no, starting- no, no, no. Credit is due when you start performing against formidable appointments or okay. opponents. Like, you, dude, you, you can't sit here and say that, oh, well, you got to give him credit where credit's due. No, I you don't. Do, he looked horrible. Because- no, you no, you don't because he was playing Cincinnati. Sure. Bad competition. That said, after starting over five and a pick. Oh my god, what the fuck? He went 22 of 23 for five touchdowns and 297 yards. Against Look, I, don't, I don't the Bengals. Sure. But that being said, find another quarterback that's had that stat line against the Bengals this year, and you won't. There, there haven't been. That was a that was a good that was a good showing. That was a strong game. Does it mean he is a great quarterback? No. Am I sold on Baker Mayfield? No. Am I going to start him in my fantasy league? Hell no. I'm not even going to pick him up. I don't. He can rot on the wire for all I care. But credit where credits due, he played a great game. Whatever. If you if you want to if, if you want to give him praise for continuing his fucking stretch of I'm gonna beat bad teams and then look really goddamn bad against average teams. Sure, he's Go right going ahead. to look bad Go against right average ahead. teams. Sure. Go right ahead. Like, I don't. No, I I don't give a shit. Like I don't even care that I got the A on this. Like I, I was honestly, I'm I was rooting against myself watching this game. I was, I was hoping Burrow would be able to pull it out. I think uh, a lot of fans were. Unfortunately, he wasn't. He did He did play a great game. Uh, Burrow, Burrow looked good for some great stretches there. Just not enough to pull it out. Uh, I don't think anyone – look, I think that if you said Baker Mayfield was going to have to throw the ball 28 times, most Bengal fans would have been very optimistic they were winning that game. You're rolling your eyes because you know I'm right. No, I'm not. (laughs) He beat a bad team. All right. Let's move on to uh, we both got A's in that one because the Browns did end up covering. Fucking do. Just the barely. They were favored by three. They won by three. By the way, when we talk about whether or not they cover, we're going off of the line of where it was sat when we made our predictions, not where it was at the start of kickoff because sometimes those lines do move. We do make our predictions the Friday prior Correct. to the NFL Sundays. Correct. Yep. Uh, Steelers-Titans is the next game up. Steelers were one-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Titans. We both picked the Steelers to cover, and we both got that one correct. Yep. Yeah. And, and we, we've we talked about this game. This game. Pretty, yeah, we talked about this game pretty extensively in the last segment. Let's go on to Panthers and Saints, which uh, we – both picked the Saints at under. Yep. Saints were seven point favorites. And, uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of combination of one, not having so much faith in the Saints, especially with their banged up receiving core. 
uh, as well as giving a little bit of credit to the Panthers who have shown to not be a terrible team. Um, I give more, a lot more of that credit to Teddy Bridgewater than anybody else in that uh, Panther organization, because like Alvin Kamara had himself a day. Um, Mike Davis on the contrary was very quiet. Um, Bridgewater was able to, 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 to keep, at least keep them in it. Right. You know, going for 254 yards and two passing touchdowns, which wasn't like, yeah, Breeze had 287, two touchdowns. <clears throat> but you got to look at the differences. Breeze had had a running game going. Mm-hmm. Kamara had 14 carries for 83 yards, and Mike Davis had seven carries for 12. 12. Like, this was the biggest, like, I think this was the first eye-opening, like, hey, everybody, Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey. But I mean, I, 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 I loved what I saw out of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, kind of coming back to life a little bit. He was yeah, he had a great game. He was he DJ Moore was a more highly toted like wide receiver three coming into the season than I really bought into. Um, but he went four for thirty nine for two touchdowns, and that one of those touchdowns was a seventy four yard bomb that kept Carolina in that goddamn game. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> and that's something that we talked about was that the Saints defense is very good at stopping the run. If Carolina was going to have success in this game offensively, it was going to come through the air. And that is exactly what happened. Although they were able to tighten it down in the second half. It looked like Teddy Bridgewater was finally going to get his first three touchdown game. He was at two touchdowns sitting there at halftime yeah. and never came into fruition. Saints got to give credit to them. Uh, they were able to buckle down and do what good teams need to do to win games. Well, I mean, it's not only that. Like, Carolina did not turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. The only turnover in this game was a Drew Brees fumble. Right. Um, and, I mean, you're starting to see more and more week after week how badly Drew Brees misses Michael Thomas. Oh, oh, absolutely. He He loves having that big target going over the middle of the field. Absolutely. The leading receiver in this one was Callaway, eight for 75. Kamara, eight for 65. Um, Troy Quan Smith, who everyone was like, oh, he's going to be the big play in fantasy, four for 54. I mean, in PPR, not terrible. In standard, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and it brings back to the, to the rushing attack for New Orleans because when we were talking about this shit, you know, this weekend, like Kamara is mostly used in a, in a wide receiver set and Latavius Murray is going to at least split 50, 50 carries with him. Mm -hmm. Kamara out had 14 Latavius Murray had 11, not a super big drop off from that prediction. Um, So, I mean, I don't think Kamara uh, got into the end zone this week either. Uh, no, he, he had he about 130 or so yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, but did not get into the end zone. And I know this because I was playing against him in fantasy and I was very relieved. So, uh, but yeah, well, we, we said that this game would probably be a little closer than, than seven points. And we were right. And the saints still were the better team. They won by three. Our predictions stood correct. Yep. We both got A's. 
So we will go on to the next game, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Bills and Jets. Bills pulled out an ugly 18-10 to win with no touchdowns scored on their end. The only team that scored a touchdown on this one was the Jets. Uh, their rookie running back, Perrine, I believe is how you say his name. Perrine, I'm not sure. Um, he, look, the Bills played bad, and they still won kind of comfortably. Like, yeah, they were. You want to call an eight-point win against the Jets comfortable? Yeah, because the Jets never really threatened. They really didn't, and the Bills were in control of control of the game flow. It was the Jets have the Jets have given up double digit. I'm sorry, their lowest score margin through this year point differential in a game was nine, mm-hmm. and the Bills, who are favored in the AFC East, gave one by eight. Yeah, no. You should not, as a Bills fan, you should not. I don't give a fuck. Oh, well, it's a divisional opponent and blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't feel good about this win at all. At all. These are the glaring fucking type of games that let you know that that part of Josh Allen and that fucking offense from last year is still there. Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't a great performance by the Bills. I'm it was good enough to get the win. Um, it, but against the only team left in the NFL without yeah. a win. Yeah, no, it was a bad game. It was a bad game. Bad games the happen. Horrible game. Holy shit, that was hard to watch. Good teams have bad games against bad teams. That happens. Uh, I'm not particularly worried. I'm not particularly excited. The Bills have had have, the last three weeks have been in a bit of a slump. So hopefully Zach Moss coming back will will help them get the run game back going. Devin Singletary is really struggling to run the ball uh, has not eclipsed 40 yards in the past three games. That is a big problem that the bills need to solve moving forward. Um, as much as, you know, we can point out to Josh Allen's flaws and this, and that, and the other Josh Allen isn't playing that bad. Uh, what's really killing them is the fact that they have no run game going to open up the passing game and give Josh Allen a little bit of time in the pocket, which was happening that- at the start of the season. So, Bills got to figure out their run game. That is one thing that I will say if you're a Bills fan, that is a point of concern. How about the fact that one way or another, Josh Allen finds a way to turn the ball over? Cause he had a fuck. He, he gave up a fucking fumble in this game. How many picks did you give up? Oh, I said one way or another, right? So we had, he's he had going a, to turn the ball over. He had a right one way or another. Most quarterbacks turn over more weeks than they don't. That's not like a glaring thing. Like, yeah, elite quarterbacks will throw maybe five or six to, uh, picks in a year, right? A little less than half their games. Most quarterbacks on more than half their games will have a, will have some type of a turnover. The man threw for 307 yards with no touchdowns, Correct. none. And you also were fucking beating on me when I picked the 49ers to beat the Patriots because the Patriots, oh, they lost to a team that only got 18 points on six field goals. The Bills, mind you, scored 18 points on six field goals, but they attempted eight. Correct. They missed two. Correct. I, no, this was an Embarrassing. You have embarrassing losses. This was an embarrassing win for the Bills. And, <laughs> and I, y'all, if y'all want to reclaim any reputation in the AFC, y'all, y'all motherfuckers better 
blow the fuck out of the Patriots this upcoming week. Cause if you don't, and it's close like this, I have, I'm going, going to continue to quickly lose faith in Josh Allen. The, the bills look, the bills have never been a team that won pretty. We have not done that for a long time and we're going to win games ugly. That's how it is. Uh, I don't think any Bills fan is overly concerned except for fixing that run game. That is one thing that we do have to fix. Uh, Moving on to the Cowboys and the Washington football team. I know we talked about this one uh, as well in the previous um, segment. Cowboys were at one point. By the way, we both got C's. We both got C's in the Bills game. I forgot to mention that. Uh, They were favored by 10. They won by 8. So C's all around. Cowboys favored by one. They lost by 22. One of the biggest margins. Funny enough, this was the closest spread. And this is one of the ended up being one of the games with the biggest margins. Cowboys got humiliated. Um, The Washington football team. Are they better than we think? Or was the Dallas Cowboys just that bad? They're better than the fucking Cowboys. No, like the, 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 the football, the football team is not that good. Get that shit right the fuck out of your head. The Cowboys are that bad. Yeah, I they agree have, with you. They have, they're on pace to be the worst defense in NFL history. Um, you have no solution quarterback, none. You better hope Andy Dalton's ass comes back to get you three points. These motherfuckers traveled all the way to Washington, D.C. just to kick a field goal. That's it. That was it. Like, really? Like, you made that entire travel just to just to kick one ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. When- the only person on 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 the Dallas side of the ball that had an even okay fucking fantasy day was Amari Cooper. Seven catches for eighty yards. That was it. Fucking Michael Gallup and Ceedee Lamb combined for. Zero catches for zero yards. Yeah, they uh, they goose-egged it hard. Dude, uh, this team is I, – I, I, I'm hard-pressed with where they're at right now to see if they're going to win another game. Let's take a, let's take a quick, quick peek. Uh, on the road, Sunday Night Football against the Eagles, that's a loss. Uh, <laughs> at home against the Steelers, loss. Ooh, the Vikings, loss. Uh, ooh, they get Washington again. That's not looking good. <laughs> not looking great. And then they get the Ravens. Uh, okay, let me just look. Let me just save you some time. Do they play against the Jets this year? No. All right, then they're not. I mean, they but they, f- they finish their schedule: yeah. Bengals, 49ers, Eagles, and the Giants. Maybe the Giants. They beat them once. Maybe they can beat them again. But but Dak did Dak most of that work. Quarters. That was a Dak did most of that work, man. Yeah. yeah, it's wow. Cowboys are in trouble. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, should they go after him? Free agency? No, we already covered that in this last segment. No, you haven't tank changed your for, mind. Tank, tank for, for Lawrence. Lawrence. All tank right, for Lawrence, dude. All right, so Packers Texans is the next game. Well, we both got F's on the Cowboys Packers Texans. You got an A, I got yes, an I F. Yep, yes, you did. Uh, the Texans mounted a half-hearted comeback, which fell very short. 
Oh my god. You're gonna call, a better team. You're gonna call that a half-hearted comeback. Sure. Uh Packers were the better team. Got the win pretty convincingly. And they were three and a half point favorites. They covered that with a 15 point victory. Anything you want to say about this game that we haven't already said? No, I was right and you were wrong. Okay. Bucks and Raiders. We both got A's in this one. Bucks were three and a half point favorites and they won by 25 points. They looked pretty good against the Raiders team that isn't horrible. Isn't um, great. So when we were talking about this game and we were picking who we had, Mm -hmm. uh, the Raiders whole offensive line was was on the COVID-19 list. Four out of the five were activated for this game. Right. Um, With exclusion of right tackle Trent Brown, who was the only one in that group to test positive. Didn't really seem to matter. Um, I mean, they won this game outright and it wasn't even kind of close through most of it. <laughs> Fucking it, it, yeah. You, a lot of what we were talking about for the Buccaneers was Mike Evans and how lackluster he's been so far. When he, when he plays with Mike with Godwin, Godwin, yes. Godwin is out for week eight. Mm-hmm. He broke one of he broke an index finger catching a touchdown. Who breaks a finger playing football? That is pathetic. Oh, I don't know. Probably someone that you know <laughs> does internships for you know principal. Uh, so that's oh, a little whiz. inside joke because oh, last gee year whiz, I, my I tootsies hurt. Last year I did break my finger playing in the Turkey Bowl flag football game. So turkey uh, will, yeah, yeah. whatever. Moving on. No one wants to, no, nobody wants to hear your statistics in a fucking bullshit pickup football game. Oh, I got three interceptions with a broken hand. Nobody fuck. Oh, really? So how much, how much money are you making? How much money you're making? Shut the fuck up. Let's keep my financial private. Thank you. Knock it off. You, you are signed by a whole lot of nobody. Uh, so the Mike Godwin, Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin, you fucking hard uh, did you know his finger broken finger? That's obviously a very severe injury. How long do you think he's out? They they say he's out one maybe two weeks. Here's years? the thing Probably though. Years, you're right. Uh, no, because Chris Godwin's like 26 <laughs> years old and not a 55 year old fuck who's trying to be a principal. Knock it the fuck off. Here's the case against uh, Mike Evans because Mike Evans has had nice games while Chris Godwin is out. Guess who is stepping up? Scotty Miller stepped up and Gronk is stepping up. You're missing one name. Antonio Brown. Well, I mean, okay, he's going to be playing. I don't know if he's stepped up yet. I mean, you can't say he stepped up without. He's stepping he up, up on the field. Oh, my God. He's stepping up into the lineup and fucking sure. Brady loves sure. having that fucking dick in his mouth. He is everything all about Antonio Brown. Sure. Um. Okay, so Antonio Brown's coming back. You think that that is going to affect Mike affect Evans? Mike Absolutely. Evans, yes. And I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And you also you got to be concerned if you're a Mike Evans owner and fantasy that Scotty Miller had, was it, I think 109 yards, touchdown. Scotty on Miller has a big catches. game 
he has a big game, then a dud, then a big game, then a dud. But he's he just still had there a big taking game. away targets from Mike Evans. He just had a big game. The next week's going to be a fucking dud. Let's just knock it the fuck off. Yeah. Mike Evans is not a, a great fantasy option at this point. Um, moving on to, oh, by the way, we forgot when we talked about the Browns and Bengals, we did forget to cover the Odell Beckham injury, which uh, is going to keep him out for the season. Uh, so he's probably going to finish with just about as many fantasy points as he would have had he not been injured. Cause quite frankly, OBJ is a fantasy zero at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me rephrase that at this point with this team, he still has a career. He can salvage. He's 28 years old. He can still, if he returns from this injury, he can still be a, a factor for someone just not the Browns. Sure. Yeah. Uh, chiefs Broncos chiefs were favored by eight. They won by 17. I had them winning and covering the eight-point spread. You had them winning but not covering. I got the A. You got the C. Why don't you take the lead on it, buddy? Yes, and I will. And so, I mean, we saw more or less what I thought was going to happen, which is that the Chiefs wouldn't necessarily be pushed that hard. Um we did see Edwards Alaire get a nice touchdown and had a nice fantasy day because of that. Once again, uh, I don't, I, I think the people were a little over buying what Le'Veon Bell would do, at least in, in his first game, and that Edwards Alaire was still going to be fantasy relevant. And he, and he was fantasy relevant. Patty Mahomes, you know, he, he was kind of interesting cruise control. And that's what we're seeing him do a lot this season, where he is just doing enough to win games. He is what I consider to be an elite game manager. And when he has to, right, when he has a big matchup or when his team is really getting pushed, that's when you will see him ball out, kind of like the Patty Mahomes of the last couple of seasons. But I honestly believe that Patty Mahomes and Andy Reid are, they're both very comfortable with making Patty Mahomes just a very elite game manager. Um, They're not trying to win games on Patty's arm anymore. They want to find other ways to win games. And if they have to, then they can rely on Patty's arm. Well, that's how you become a more balanced team. Correct. Right. Right. Like figure out. They haven't figured they have a decent defense. They have a top 15 ish defense. Right. It's a medium. But when you're talking about a team that has a prolific quarterback in Patty Mahomes, as much as I fucking hate him. <clears throat> and you've got great receiving options in Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, even this fucking Pringle guy right. is showing his, he's popping up once or once every now and again. And once you pop, you can't stop. Oh God, you are <laughs> oh, you are such a fucking douche. You set it up. You set it up. That's your fault. It was his last name. I wasn't. Yeah. Never right, mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make your point. But then, but then you, you're talking about a team that hasn't had a, a, a solid running game since Kareem Hunt's rookie season, right. when Patrick Mahomes was still in college. Mm-hmm. So you you draft uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. He has, I, I I would say he has a, a pretty above average showing through his first six games. Then you bring in Le'Veon Bell, which the, the jury's out. I'm not going to say I, I, I made 
I, I was talking a lot about last week how Le'Veon Bell was going to cut into uh, CEH's workload. Um, I'm technically right if you're talking to percentage-wise after this last week, but it's it's not a fair spectrum because this was a game where they didn't depend on the offense to win the game. Right. They had the opening drive, which Edwards Hilaire scored the 11 yard touchdown, Mm -hmm. then a pick six, Mm -hmm. then a 102 yard kickoff return. At that point, Mahomes is sitting there going like, what the fuck am I doing here? He had a complete, complete day off. Right. They, They could have won that game with Andy Dalton. Here's why here's why I think Bell poses a more of a threat than most would like to believe to Clyde Edwards Hilaire because Hilaire got all the work on that opening drive and punched in for a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Who led the second drive? It was uh, Le'Veon Bell. It was Le'Veon Bell. So in the final the final touches, it was nine to six, which isn't. I mean, Eight. either guy. That's not a lot of touches. So I will. I, I'm. At, I'm actually. I'm because uh, I thought a lot about this. Think going back to this game, Edward Slayer had eight carries. Le'Veon Bell had six. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edward Slayer had one catch, mm-hmm. but it was on four targets. I'm going to count those four targets as touches. Sure. Because they were trying to get him the ball. So you're talking about 12 to 6. That's a 50% cut into his workload. Now, when they're facing a more formidable opponent, okay, I'm sorry. What's wrong? Uh, just your math, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, Le'Veon Bell replicated 50% of what? That's okay. That makes sense. All right. Thank, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that was necessarily like the Chiefs thought they had the game in hand early, even though they were only up a touchdown. Now they're they were trying to get him working. Um we'll see what happens when the Chiefs are going up a more f- against a, a, a bigger opponent. I would honestly expect like the pettiness of <laughs> some of the Chiefs, because they play the Jets next. It's going to be a revenge game. That there's going to be look. Le'Veon Bell is. I just is looked at the line for that goddamn game. Yeah, nineteen and a half in favor of Kansas City. I mean, it's Le'Veon Bell is is going to if you, if you have Le'Veon Bell that that's the week to start him. I I don't think Le'Veon Bell is a fantasy uh, starter most weeks, even with the Chiefs. But next week will be his revenge tour, and it's a great place to start him next week. I we'll see. I think he definitely gets a chunk of Edwards Hilaire, his touches. Um, but don't over like don't overreact to next week if he does because, again, I think that that's that's a game where uh, they're going to feed him the ball because he's going to want to do something against his former team. It's it's you know you're taking care of your new guy. It is what it is. Edwards Alaire still got 67% of the touches. If we're counting the, you know, the targets on this pass. Yes. Yes. Uh, he still got 67% of the running back touches or targets. So he's clearly still their, their one guy, the number one guy. Um, Le'Veon Bell is, does have that poachability though, right? He has, he has that ability to vulture a score from inside the red zone. He's got the ability to get cut into the, the passing game. So Le'Veon, 
bell, I believe, cuts into Edward Edwards Hilaire's ceiling more than his floor, but definitely into his ceiling a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on. Patriots and the Niners. This game was also we spoke about quite thoroughly in the first segment. I don't think there's much to add there. Uh, we both, excuse me. No, we did not uh, both. Did not. Nothing. You predicted the Niners would win. I predicted the Patriots would win. It was a two point spread and the Niners, despite being two point underdogs, won by 27. So yeah, despite they beat the brakes off this team. I'm good. They, they definitely won. All right. Next is the chargers and the Jaguars. Jags were underdogs by seven and a half points. This game was actually pretty close throughout the game. It was. And Justin Herbert, whew, he had a nice game. He played yeah, really well. Chargers took it by 10. You had the Chargers winning and taking the over. I had the Chargers winning. I took the under. Um, for a while, it looked like it could have gone either way, but it did go your way. So Tyler with the A. Yes, sir. I, Got the C. DC with the C. Very unfortunate. It is what it is. Um, anything you want to say about this game? I I can't really go over much of as to the points I pointed out when I predicted the Chargers to cover this game. When you're looking at Jacksonville, who now go back a week they were on the verge of tying an nfl record by allowing six straight opponents opponents to 30 plus points in a game chargers put up 39 yeah so yeah that's an nfl record now by the jacksonville jaguars which is insane Um, thinking about the that this is a team that had a reputation just a season and a half ago built on their defense and now they're just doormats yeah absolutely but that's what happens when you're trading everyone away yeah um, uh, and, but at the same time, I also brought up the point, like the Jaguars are not a great team, but they'll scrap enough to stay, you know, at least, you know, at, at least within a, a score or two in a game. Right. Especially you look last week against the Lions, like, yeah, they got blown the fuck out, but they'll, they'll make up some, they'll make up some ground and garbage time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Justin, Her- Justin Herbert is dude, he's the real fucking deal. Rookie of the year? Uh um, offensive? Offensive rookie of the year? No, nah, I'll give him rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, to, if if the voting ended today, yeah, I'd give him rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, I think Burrow is probably more deserving given you know he has better stats than Justin Herbert up to this point. Um, but Herbert plays for a better team than the fucking then burrow does for the Bengals. Right. Herbert's um, also had one less game. Oh, one less start. Yeah, you right. were right. right. Um who knows, man. I, there's a lot of rookies showing out this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean I think I think Herbert's definitely in the play. Joe Burrow's in the play. I think Justin Jefferson is is a sneaky play for offensive rookie of the year. Um Javon Kinlaw, also another sneaky, like he's a sneaky defensive rookie of the year play on a on a pretty beaten up 49er team. Um, but I mean, but Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are getting pretty much a lot of a lot of the same production, both in the pass and the run game 
for both like for both of them being quarterbacks. Yeah, actually it's funny you say that. They both have exactly 121 yards rushing. Yeah. So far. Uh Herbert does have the edge on average uh per game and per attempt. Obviously played one one game less. Uh although uh, Burrow has one more touchdown. He has three to two. Passing wise, Burrow does have about 450 more yards than Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. However, you also have to consider that he has also thrown almost 100 more attempts. Yep. Uh, so that's something. The Chargers are definitely a more balanced team than the Bengals. And here's an interesting statistic, which does does give Burrow a, a bit of a leg to stand on. Burrow is is getting murdered oh yeah he has been sacked through week seven 28 times oh yeah yeah justin herbert and one less game only 10 yeah and uh, i mean that speaks a lot to i mean but to the organizations they got drafted to burrow was never number one overall pick he's going to a bad situation he's going to a bad organization right and, and you look at their touchdown to interception ratio. Herbert's got a twelve to three versus Burrow's nine to five. But honestly, Joe, Joe Burrow throwing nine to five touchdown interception ratio with the amount of time he has in the pocket—that's actually right. really good. No, that's that I would honestly say that's more impressive. Right. That just that ratio alone is more impressive than Herbert because Which, Herbert. Good hey, credit to Herbert. That's he's taking advantage of what he has. Twelve Herbert, to three is very good. Herbert inherited. A, a good organization right he inherited a good o-line mm-hmm. he inherited a running game he and mm-hmm. like i mean joe mixon sure but like what running game are you going to have if you have no line right. he inherited multiple passing options that there were really no question marks next to aj green was a question mark <clears throat> t higgins was a rookie who fucking knew like tyler boyd is he going to be able to replicate what he did and john ross who has hasn't even seen the he has, has barely seen the fucking field this year right um but like you're looking at the charges too like i was super high on keenan allen this week mm-hmm. 10 catches 125 yards super unfortunate he didn't find his way into the end zone that's still a great game that's a huge game and yeah. it, it continues to prove the narrative that you if you are a keenan allen owner dude herbert that is his number one guy. He's going to him. He's not looking yeah. at a a Hunter Henry as a safety blanket. He is going to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams ninety percent of the time. I think that's one of the big appeals about Justin Herbert is he's willing to throw twenty yard strikes. Oh yeah, consistently. He is not afraid of gunning it. Even though he is, I think, a pretty smart player. He's not necessarily a a major risk taker. He just has a lot of confidence yeah. in his arm strength, right? Yeah. Um, and he's tall. He's like six six, so he sees the field very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Seahawks and Cardinals game. Um, actually, you know what? Let's save that one for last because that was that was, that, that game deserves deserves a little bit of spotlight. Yeah. Bears Rams. That's the second to last game. Uh, we had uh, that was your excuse me. That was this your was my upset. upset pick. Uh, it was not anywhere near an upset. I yeah. had the Rams winning, but not covering because I did think it would be closer. Mm. Than this. Um. The Rams, Rams look good. They look good. That the Bears had a really hard time with the jet sweep action. Even when they don't hand the ball off to the receiver that's sweeping across, and they hand it off to the running back, 
it, it misdirects the defense. And for some reason, the Bears had a hard time with it. They had a lot of success running the ball against the Bears yesterday. Um, yes, <laughs> I guess. Um, I guess a, the, a, a tough Bears defense, right? I mean, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're gashing them. They're gashing them consistently. The Bears were also able, like, especially those end around fucking runs, like, those are hard to stop. Especially if you get a good seal on the O-line, which the Rams have a great O-line. Right. Um, I shift my focus away from the the Rams in this game is more opposed to like, fuck how in like, how the fuck can the bears not figure out a quarterback situation? Yeah. it's uh, Nick Foles looks fucking Nick Foles looked worse than Trubisky last night. Trubisky might be getting some, some play time again. He very well might. It's like, uh dude, he, Nick Foles is showing that he's like everyone who buys into Nick Foles, like the Jaguars and then the Bears are like, oh, well, this guy won a fucking Super Bowl. He's not that guy. Yeah, he's not. He's been a career journeyman his entire career, except for that stint in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, and no, I, I agree. Uh, the Bears are going to be struggling on offense in a lot of games this year. Uh, it's just going to be their identity. They're a defensive team that has a negative offense uh, their offense really struggled against a very good rams defense uh, aaron donald was you know i don't think his stats were huge this game but he was definitely creating havoc in the backfield he was definitely getting penetration through that through that uh offensive line yeah and the bears don't necessarily have a great o-line no because if they had a great uh, even like a good o-line Montgomery would be able to do better than 14 for 48 mm-hmm. on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I I don't think you need to focus your – if you're the Chicago Bears, you don't need to focus your attention towards the defensive side of the ball at this point. You need to be figuring out where the fuck you're going at quarterback. Oh. And right now you're 5-2. and two. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm to the point too where I, I'm not sure if it is the court. I think the quarterback play is obviously a big part of it. I think that their offensive schemes are just not working as well. It's how long, it's, but but how long have we watched this for? Well, they've had Trubisky for what two and a half years since 2017. Okay, I mean it, it's just the it, for the last at least two plus seasons. The last time Chicago was in a Super Bowl, Rex Grossman was the starting quarterback. Sure. Like, they have had issues at quarterback for decades. Right. But they've also had issues with their offensive schemes. And, I mean, yeah, look, I get it. Their their identity as a franchise is defense. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to go out and, and improve your offensive game plans. And sure. I, I feel like they, 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 there's a lot of room to grow both on the personnel player side and on the coaching scheme side of things, because their schemes are quite frankly, they're boring. They're not staying up with the, what a lot of NFL teams are doing to throw in a variety. Even 
a lot of NFL teams, when they run the ball, you're not just seeing the traditional handoffs. You're seeing misdirections happening with receivers, with tight ends, yeah. with, uh, with other guys pre-snap to, to keep that defense guessing a little bit. And the Bears aren't really doing any of that type of stuff. No, I, I agree with you. Like when you're down double digits, first down should not be a run up the gut because they're expecting that and they're going to stuff you, which is exactly what happened last night. Yeah, um, yeah I think start so, looking for more of a uh, creative coach and look for a more uh, accurate quarterback. So wrap up for that game. I got the C. You got the F. I got the F, yeah. Let's go to the Seahawks-Cardinals, a game where we both got Fs because we had the Seahawks winning. The margin was three and a half points uh, in favor of the Seahawks. We had them both cover. We both had them covering. We thought it would be close, though. We we thought three and a half was a really tough one for us to mm-hmm. uh, for us to go on, and we we definitely saw an opportunity for the Cardinals to win, and yeah, the Cardinals did win. Yeah, Here's they what stood out to me the most. Okay, here's what yeah. surprised shocked me. Okay, it wasn't that the Seahawks lost; it was how they lost. Because the Seahawks are clearly the veteran team here. They have the veteran quarterback. They have veteran receiver and uh, Tyler Lockett. They have they have a lot of veteran experience, a veteran coach, right? Like, this is a veteran team. The Cardinals are a very young team, young coach, young quarterback. The Seahawks lost by making rookie mistakes. They made... And not to say the Cardinals didn't either, right? They're, at the end of the game, it was it was a wild, wild west out there, and both teams were were making some pretty bad mistakes, um, some significant mental errors. But the Seahawks, I expected them to capitalize on those errors, not continue to make more errors, which is what we saw happen. And we saw the Cardinals eventually uh, take advantage enough of that to win. Um and there's several from going to not being able to ice the game uh, third and two, not be able to pick up the first down uh, obviously uh, getting that penalty to negate the DK Metcalf uh, would be, would be touchdown. There mm-hmm. was uh, then throwing the interception, right? I mean, and this is after getting a second chance because the Cardinals missed a kick uh, with about two and a half minutes left in overtime. They would have won the game. Yep. The Cardinals themselves screwed up that situation because they would have gotten you know they called the timeout, which uh, was because they were gonna they were gonna get a um, a delay game penalty. I mean the Cardinals messed that up. You would have thought the Seahawks would come down and take advantage, right? You see that you know okay this is gonna be their game, and then all of a sudden they managed to mess that up too. Uh, I was stunned at how the Seahawks lost this one. Not that they did lose because the Cardinals are a great team, capable of beating them, but I was shocked at the mistakes they made. I agree with every single point you made. Um, but as someone who's a fan of a team in the NFC West, I've seen Russell Wilson make those type of mistakes in close games. He's not gonna make them, he's not gonna make them in blowouts, obviously, but in close games, I'm gonna see him lob a pass that he thinks is going thinks is going for a touchdown, and here comes a free safety or a linebacker to pick that shit off and go the other way. Can you imagine if he did that in like a Super Bowl from like the one yard line? Can you imagine? <laughs> I know it'd be fucking crazy. Other than the fact that it happened, um, no, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna 
buy into this being I, this is more big of a win for Arizona than it is a loss for Seattle because Seattle's going to figure their shit out. Sure. They have to, and they've proven to be able to do that. Like Russell Wilson, honestly, Russell Wilson is more of a definition of, of do more with less mm-hmm. than I think Brady was mm-hmm. because Russell Wilson has, I mean, he's got some receiving options and Chris Carson's a, a good back, even though he's hurt. And then his backup, Carlos Hyde got hurt. Mm-hmm. He has no defense. None. Oh, no. Every week turns into a shootout and yeah. 90% of the time he's going to win it. Yeah. He's a better Dak Prescott. With, with better Dak Prescott. Sure. 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 Um, well, with Arizona, it's like you can get into a shootout with a Russell Wilson come out on top. But like we stated before, like, can you do it consistently? Mm-hmm. Can you be a dominant offense consistently, which Kyler Murray has yet to show that he can do it on a consistent basis. And I get it. He's in his second season. He's young. Like the, the, the jury's still out. I'm just, I, I need to see more of a consistency from Kyler Murray and that Arizona Cardinal offense because their defense is not going to do it much like the Seattle defense isn't going to do it for Russell Wilson. You know, it's going to, you know, it's going to help with consistency though, is they're going to be starting Chase Edmonds for the foreseeable. Absolutely. Thank that's God gonna... damn fucking Kenyon Drake is down. Arizona Cardinal fans, Chase Edmonds finally gets to take some snaps as the RB1. You look good too. He's not, he's not giving that job back to Kenyon Drake. No, he's not. There's no fucking way that that would, that would be insane. Uh, I I look at a guy like Chase Edmonds and it's hard for me to find another guy in the league that has done more to earn a starting position and not get it somehow. Right. You know, like right right before they traded for uh, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds had put up some, some big numbers and yeah. then they trade for Kenyon Drake and just move him back to bench. It's like, this guy has done nothing to lose his, to lose a right. starting job. And yeah, no, can't get a break. You are 100% and, on the money with that shit. Yeah. He, th- th- with th- this guy isn't going to give it up. I mean, I, I just, I mean, you never know, but I don't see any way that a guy that's been this good and has been this under underused and appreciated and valued by this team is going to be like, all right, I'm not going to take advantage of this opportunity. No, right. he's going to, make anyone look like an idiot for not playing him as the number one back on this team. Um, yeah, if, if you got Chase Edmonds in your fantasy league, congratulations. You just landed yourself a, a low end RB one high end RB two. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, the, the, the game was entertaining. You, you saw both teams really, really were working for this one. That, that play with DK Metcalf, I'm sure everyone's already talked about it at nauseum, but that play with DK Metcalf, play of the game in some ways where he ran the length of the field, the other direction uh, to chase down Buda Baker and stop him from getting a pick six. That was, that was hustle. He was making up for, for any bad juju he got from that, the uh, touchdown he messed up earlier in the season, you know, where he, he's, yeah. yeah, he made up for that. With that, that was – I have not seen an offensive player hustle that hard on defense, I think, ever. He should have earned fucking fantasy points on that goddamn yeah. fucking rundown. Like, that should have been at least worth, like, three. Right. Fucking – dude, he fucking – he chased like that motherfucker field goals down. were three points in fantasy. That was, that was more impressive than any 30-yard field goal I'll ever see in my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
that was that was something um man fun game though fun game probably would you say most entertaining game so far this season um, it's definitely in the top three yeah yeah i think uh this season uh steelers titans also a very entertaining game yeah absolutely this was a great week of football yeah. titans have been in, in some good games titans have titans play entertaining ball out there um all right well that wraps it up for all the games on this segment Coming up next, we will give you guys the final report card grade, as well as we'll do a brief look at the upcoming Panthers and Falcons Thursday night matchup. So stick around. That's coming up next. Game. Welcome back, everybody. It is time to go over the final report card and talk about the Thursday night matchup. So, Tyler, uh, you are, I believe, two and one so far this season, head to head. About to be three and one. About to be three and one, and that's what you think, and you are correct. Yes, uh, you yeah, absolutely, I'm fucking correct. Yeah, right. I mean, all right. For the listeners, we're trying to keep it suspenseful. You know, it's kind of a thing that we do. All right. Um, if they listen to my picks, it shouldn't be that suspenseful. Right, yeah. You know what? They're probably not sitting there with notepads, like pulling, you know, like pulling up their grasses, like, oh, gee, y'all, let me add up these scores and see who finished with the top grade. Well, looking right? at our percentages, they'd be like, oh, voila, 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 if I'm a man, if I'm a man. Were you, were you trying to I'm trying a, to do a French we're accent. We're trying to be a French accent. We're, 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 was, up, we're up to 6%, man. I know that. Voila, uh, voila, français. You, yeah, you need to shove the, the entire Eiffel prick, Tower up your ass. Is what the freckled pick knows, prick knows what he's talking about. I that was the worst French impression I've ever seen. Like Whatever. it was worse than like when like South Park makes like purposely bad impressions. It was worse than that. Yeah. Well, not worse than your fucking picks so far through okay. four weeks, but go ahead. So you finished the 2.43 GPA. I think it's like a C plus. I finished with a flat C two GPA. Uh, the, couple of games that really did it for you was obviously and i know we've already talked about this you've already rubbed it in uh i'll i'll take the l on the chin the packers texans prediction was bad mm-hmm. all right let's call it what it is and the patriots um niners prediction was bad sometimes it pays off to be a homer it pays off so it, it, it pays off to be a fan of football dude watch okay. cam newton the last okay. two fucking weeks prior to that game you know he was Ugh. on covid restrictions the last two weeks prior to that game he played one game prior to oh that okay well look how bad he looked in that fucking one game yeah. watch much football you would know he only played one game prior okay yeah yo oh yeah as much football as i know uh, yeah as much football yeah. one as much all as right. I'm, I'm all right. you know, head, let's head let's head talk about thursday let's talk about thursday okay yeah all right twat <laughs> Uh, panthers against the falcons you know this like they're both losing teams but for a thursday night game with how shitty thursday night games have been this one might actually be more entertaining than than most um falcons are favored sorry excuse me panthers are favored by two and a half points as of right now so that's where we will make our predictions for the first week eight game of the week what you got here? Give me the Panthers at the over. The Falcons have yet to show me that the, that that's a team that can win a fucking game, and the Panthers went blow for blow with the Saints. Yeah, give me the Panthers at the over. This is the this, this is one of the easier picks for Week Eight. Yeah, give me the over. So 
I have to take the over as well. Um, and I'm sad to say it's because I, I really don't have the balls to pick the Falcons because the Falcons. I wish you would hyping yeah, up that I know fucking defense you know, I... as, as it should be expected to make the fucking stop. Yeah. Grab your like, forgive me for having bitch. minimum standards for professional athletes that make millions of dollars. Forgive me. All right. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Are you serious? What kind of fucking standards are you looking for out of bad teams? The Falcons, I think, are not going to just lie down and take this one on the chin. It'll be a good game. No, and they'll lie down they at the goal line and let the other team <laughs> celebrate their touchdown. <laughs> yeah, that could happen. <laughs> but the Falcons have a shot at winning this, right? Like this isn't it would it's not inconceivable that the Falcons wouldn't win this. They've had a All shot right. at winning just about every game they've played in this year, and they're one right. in six. No, dude, if you don't bet the fucking Falcons. Fantasy studs, fan, fantasy duds. Who you got? I think it's two studs you can take away from this game. Robbie Anderson's going to have a good game. Mm-hmm. Look for DJ Moore to also, I'm not going to say replicate what he did, but DJ Moore's kind of slowly working his way into that wide receiver three uh, end that 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 he was projected as when we started drafting before the season started uh um and Hayden Hurst Cal or not Matt Ryan has been looking Hayden Hurst's way a lot more the last couple of weeks um I'm not going to say he's a, a sleeper because I haven't done my rankings yet but I could easily just based off his matchup I could see him he's a top 7 finish right and that and that's a safe take I think that you got to look at also uh, Todd Gurley here in this one. Just had a two touchdown performance last week. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, one of know. those was not supposed to happen, but true. Sure. But uh, with those two touchdowns, he had in fantasy format 20.2 points uh, against Detroit. That is his second best outing on the season. His best outing was 21 points against Carolina Panthers which was in week five. So in that one, he had 121 yards rushing on only 14 attempts by far his best performance. Also at 29 yards carrying and he did punch one in uh, on the ground as well. So excuse me, 29 yards receiving and he punched one in on the ground. So Todd Gurley definitely knows how to find success against Carolina. Considering Carolina only put up 16 points, uh, only gave up 16 points, I should say to the Falcons. I think that the Falcons would definitely try to look at that game tape and see what was working and the run game was working. They should get Todd Gurley involved heavily in this one. Also, uh, 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 think something to watch. McCaffrey has been activated from the IR. Mm-hmm. He has the Falcons have 21 days to play him. So he's got three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, they're saying early reports are coming out saying that he has a shot to play. Thursday night against the Falcons. Um, if I'm a, a McCaffrey owner at this point, given the success that Mike Davis has had prior to last week, yes. even if McCaffrey is a go, uh, I would strongly suggest not starting him because I would at least believe he's going to be on some sort of a snap count. Correct. And the Panthers coaching staff has said that Mike Davis has earned a role in the backfield, meaning yes. that 
yes, he, he look, he's not going to keep the starting position over McCaffrey. That, that's crazy to think that. Um, but once McCaffrey does recover in full, Mike Davis will still be playing. So until McCaffrey can prove he's, he's playing uh, full-time back, you can still look for Mike Davis to have a big, big role in that offense. Yeah, there's it, someone's finally been able to show that they can cut into McCaffrey's workload. Even at the slightest bit, because at least over the last two years, McCaffrey has been the go-to guy in that offense. Correct. Correct. Um, You got any duds in this one? I mean, it's hard to look at this game and really see any fantasy dud there. there. These are two good matchups for any fantasy owning player on either team. I mean, Julio got banged up at the end of the, at the end of the game last week against Detroit. Uh, I think I'm going to say Calvin Ridley just to piss you off. You're not going to piss me off because it's completely unmerited. He has, he's had, he had one dud complete dud this year. Outside of that, he's been a top 15 play every single week. There's true. There's no argument. He he's, if he, if you're counting him as your dud, that is a huge shot in the dark. Um, no, it's okay. In all reality, it's not. However, I will say this. All right. And it's hard to find one player that is a dud in this game, but I will say that one of Julio or Calvin Ridley will not have a big game. Carolina is the 29th um, best, excuse me, is the third best team uh, at, at stopping fantasy wide receivers. So statistically speaking, one of Julio or Ridley will not get their numbers. The other one probably will. I would say Julio is probably the best bet there, though, as far as who's going to struggle in this one. Oh, oh, yeah. No, if you, uh, I was, I, I was getting ready to strongly disagree with you. Um, if you're saying Julio would be the one to, to, to make his, I would hedge my bets towards Calvin Ridley right. to, to, to be the one to, to have the better output in Correct. this game. I, I, but I don't think that both of them will have huge games. No. Uh, Carolina is it does have a pretty decent passing defense, and we did see them contain Atlanta to 16 points uh, in week five. So we are both taking the over. Yes. With uh, two and a half points there on the spread. So that, that wraps it up for, uh, for this podcast. We want to invite everyone to check us out on our uh, Twitter at unsport comment at unsport comment you can listen to us on spotify apple podcast and so many other podcasting applications share us like us subscribe right let your friends know hey this is probably the most down-to-earth and real talk you will get when it comes to to professional football we're not going to be right all the time but everything we say is Pure, honest, no bullshit take. So, like, uh, trust me, you see it in our report cards. We are not – we are right about 70% of the time on one end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, No, and everyone who listens, everyone who who is sharing this shit, we appreciate the fuck out of you. Spread this shit out. Follow us on Twitter, add on sport comment. Follow, you can follow me on Twitter, T-K-L-E-I-N-49ers on Twitter. Let me know. Talk all that shit. I don't give a fuck. I live for that shit. Um, and I look forward to 
doing another episode with you on Friday. Absolutely. Potentially with a special guest. Oh, that that would be exciting. That special guest is either coming Friday or Saturday. Um, I'm hoping Friday because, you know, this person's not super. I mean, he, he plays fantasy football, but I don't, I don't know what the wealth of his knowledge is in it because he doesn't seem to win a lot. So <laughs> we'll see. It's, yeah, no. Uh, fantasy, pe- people who are seasoned fantasy players that are successful, they, they tend to more or less, even on bad seasons, still find ways of being relevant, right? Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that wraps it up uh, for this one. Uh, next podcast will be coming out Friday, and that will be going over our week eight preview of all the Sunday games and the Monday night game as well. Everyone uh, from DC, take care. Tyler, last word. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Thursday night football. We will talk to you on Friday. Bye-bye.